Hello listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Activate God's Purpose, where we yield our humanity to God's divinity. God knows everything. God sees everything. God is all wise. We have his Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us the way, to give us instruction. And today I'd like to talk about dropping the dead ends and taking the risk of faith. Drop the dead ends and take the risk of faith. Why? Because dead ends are dead ends. Dead ends are man-made. They are our ignorance. They are our limited knowledge. They are not all-knowing. They are not all-seeing. That's what they are. They are dead ends. They are not productive in our lives. They don't help us. They don't help us see. They don't help us know. They make us think that we see. They make us think we know, but we really don't. And so the best answer, the best action is to turn to the all-knowing God, to turn to Jesus, to turn to the Holy Spirit. Not just any God, but God himself. I'm talking about God of the Bible, not just any religion, but Jesus, following Jesus Christ himself, the way, the truth, and the life. Not just any spirit, but the Holy Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit of God, God who breathed his breath, his spirit into us. That spirit that comes from God himself, that spirit who is God himself, who created us in his image. They know everything. They see everything. So today I want to encourage us as much as possible, as best as I can, to encourage us to drop the dead ends and take the risk of faith, faith believing in God, faith believing in Jesus, faith believing in the Holy Spirit, faith that when Jesus died on that cross, your name was on it. It was for you. It was for me. Our names were on it. That his blood was shed for us. That when the Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus from the grave, that when he rose up again with all the power that that heaven contains, When he resurrected again, he resurrected us. We were part of that plan. We are part of that plan. And we can stay in it or we can walk away from it. We can walk towards dead ends or we can take the risk and believe in this Jesus who died for us and rose again. I always say that um, I'd rather worship him now And then many, many years from now, when I die, when I take my last breath, if I find out that I actually did not have to worship him, I didn't have to follow him, then that's fine. But what I don't want to happen is many, many, many years from now for me to die. So I don't know what your choices are going to be. I don't know what your choices will be. I don't know what you will decide to do. But Jesus is real. And I want to read about a woman who I absolutely respect. 
and love and admire and adorn the Bible. And that is the woman with the issue of blood. And this woman could have tried all sorts of dead ends. In fact, she did. And those dead ends were when she went to see doctors, doctors who could not help her, doctors who could not weigh, doctors who could not heal her. She decided that, you know what? I've heard about a man called Jesus. I'm tired of all these dead ends. I'm going to take the risk and touch the edge of his cloak. I'm going to take the risk and touch the hem of his garment. You'll find her story in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, or Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 29, or Luke chapter 8, verse 43 to 48. Today I will read from Luke chapter 48, sorry, Luke chapter 8, 43 to 48. It says, And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. There are so many profound lessons to learn from this woman. You know, first of all, the Bible says that if you read um, further up, it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. That's how large, that's how big the crowd was. They almost crushed him. So somehow, someway, this woman had to find a way to get through that crowd to touch Jesus. It takes faith. I don't know what the crowd represents in your life today. I don't know what that crowd is. I don't know what size, what length, what depth, how much it hurts, what it has done to you, how much damage it has caused. I'm sure in those days and times, this woman was ostracized, marginalized, stigmatized, stereotyped, you name it. But regardless of who was in that crowd, regardless of how big the crowd was, regardless of those who were probably in that crowd looking down on her, laughing at her, she said, I will take the risk and press through this crowd. They might trample me down, but I am going to take the risk. They might hurt me, but I'm going to take the risk. They might mock me. 
They might try to destroy me, but I will take the risk. And I can't even get in front of Jesus for him to see me. But that's okay. I will stretch my faith. If I have to go from the back and press through the crowd and just touch the hem, just the hem, just the edge of his garment, I believe that I will be made whole. I believe that I will be healed. And so her faith took her through the crowd. Her faith helped her press in. Her faith helped her forget or put aside the ostracization, the marginalization, the stereotyping, the stigmatization. Put it all aside. Put away the shame, the guilt, the mockery, the laughter, the despair, the anger, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. She found peace in faith, the kind of peace that makes you believe so deeply that nothing phases you. She refused to be phased. It's a kind of peace that comes over your heart when you know and you believe that, you know what, if nobody else can help me, if nobody else can make a way, God can and God will. And I might not be able to stand in front of him because there's so many. The crowd is too thick. But if I just, you know, touch the edge of his cloak, the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. What are you facing today? What is that mountain? What is that 12 years of bleeding? Or maybe yours is five, maybe 20, maybe 15, maybe 16. What is the depth of your problem? That you have gone to so many doctors, so many places, so many people. You've had all kinds of counsel, therapy, all kinds of things. From one church to another, one psychologist to another, one psychiatrist to another, one problem solver to another, one doctor to another, one hospital to another, one vaccine to another. You name it, all kinds of tests. What is it that you carry spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically? That is an ailment, that is a sickness, that is a burden in your life. Can you have the type of faith? Will you have the type of faith? Will you choose to have the type of faith this woman had? It says she pressed. She wanted to be made whole. She was fed up. She was tired. But she wasn't going to kill herself. She wasn't going to throw in the towel she was not going to give in. She pressed through the crowd that was crushing Jesus. And she didn't worry about whether or not he saw her. Sometimes we like to be seen and everyone sees our problems. Everybody, But everybody seeing our problem hasn't helped us. Everybody hearing our problem hasn't solved our problem. We keep hitting these dead ends. Keep hitting these dead ends. She said, no more dead ends. The doctors had given up on her. She said, no problem. I refuse any dead ends. I want to be made whole. And I know who's in town. Jesus is in town. Let me submit to you that Jesus is with you right now. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. Whosoever will open, he will enter. So will you enter with your five years of bleeding, three years of bleeding, 15 years of bleeding, 12 years of bleeding? What is your bleeding Will you let Jesus enter? Will you let God enter? Will you let the Holy Spirit enter?
And Jesus said, who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. So in Peter's mind, he couldn't see things spiritually. He saw things scientifically. He saw things philosophically. He saw things according to the, the, the mode and the norm of the world, the physical stuff. But Jesus was talking about the spiritual realm. Someone touched him. And he said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. This is, this is the spiritual realm. This is not the physical realm anymore. She touched in the physical, but the, the, the healing, the virtue that flew out of Jesus, flew out of Jesus and flowed out of him was spiritual. Then the woman finally came forward. And seeing that she could not go unnoticed, this woman was not looking for attention. She was not looking for pity. She, she wasn't wallowing in self-pity. She wasn't looking for fame or glory. She just wanted to be made whole and go home quietly. She, then she noticed that she could not go unnoticed. You cannot hide the glory of God. You cannot hide the light of God. You cannot hide the healing of God. And she came trembling and fell at his feet. Remember, the crowd had crowded Jesus in. They, they were almost crushing him. But her faith made way for her. The Bible says that uh, uh, um, your gift will make faith for you. Her gift, I believe, in this instance was her faith. Her faith made room for her. Her faith made way for her. She was tired of dead ends, so she took the risk. And she told him and the crowd why she touched him and that she was healed instantaneously. She wasn't ashamed. She wanted her healing so much. All the stigma and all the, the shame that, that had come with it, that could come with it, were she to speak out, which she did. She didn't care. She just cared that she had been healed. And she said, this is what was wrong with me. Can you imagine in those days announcing that you were a woman bleeding for 12 years, bleeding? We're talking about our monthly cycle here, which is a very personal thing. Very personal thing. But Jesus said to her, don't be ashamed. I know you're here. Come forth. Let's talk about the glory of God. Let's talk about how God is not a dead end God. Let's talk about how God touches his people and makes them whole. And he's not full of lies. And he's not a dead-end God. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. What is your faith today? What do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Do you have faith? What is it that you're holding on to that you think will heal you, that will make you whole, that will bring you peace, that will bring you joy, that will bring you deliverance? She took a risk. She was tired of being subject to bleeding for 12 years. To be subject to something means that you are forced to undergo an ailment or a burden and that your life, everything you do is controlled by this thing that you're subject to. It takes over everything. The darkness takes over. The misery takes over. The sadness takes over. 
What is it that you are carrying that has taken over you? And you've tried all kinds of ways to get rid of it. You've even tried drugs. You've tried all kinds of things. You've talked to all kinds of people, but yet it's a stubborn problem. It's still there. And everything you've tried, everyone you tried has been a dead end. And you are forced to undergo this burden, this sickness, this disease. It could be a spiritual one, mental, emotional, physical. Jesus is still available. The same Jesus that healed that woman and said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. She touched his garment and she was healed instantaneously. Today, will you stretch your faith? Stretch your faith. Believe. Turn to him. Aren't you tired of dead ends? The lies, the things that appear to work but then they don't. So she took a big risk. And risk means exposure to danger. She endangered herself. Risk means exposure of someone or something valuable to danger, harm, or loss. She risked herself. She risked her life. She valued herself. But she exposed herself to danger to harm or loss. She exposed herself to disgrace, she, potential disgrace. She exposed herself to potential shame. She exposed herself to further stigmatization, to further stereotyping, but she didn't care. She took the risk. She further endangered her reputation. She further stepped out into mockery, into laughter, into, into provocation, things that would just make her feel worse about herself, worse about her condition. But she didn't care. She had heard about this Jesus who healed the blind, who healed the leper, who raised the dead. And she had faith and she wanted to just touch him regardless of what anyone had to say. How bad is it for you? Will you try him? Will you drop the dead ends and risk faith? Take the risk of faith. When you risk something, it's a possibility of something bad happening. Anything could have happened to her in that condition, in the knowledge of who she was and the kind of society she lived in and the kind of crowd that she had to press through. Right? Risk involves uncertainty. She didn't know whether or not it was going to work, but she had faith. Uncertainty lingering all around her, not knowing. But still, she said, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Taking risks can bring negative, undesirable consequences. So you could step out and take a risk and things that you, 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 and things could become worse than they were before you started, but she didn't care. I mean, what could be worse, right? She's hit so many dead ends. The doctors had given up on her. People looked at her funny. There was nothing, nowhere to turn, no one to turn to. It's just utter darkness. So might as well take the risk, right? What is your situation today? Maybe you might as well take the risk as well. Maybe it's time for that. So she, she stretched her faith. Somehow she believed that God 
can fix, could fix her, that Jesus could fix her, could take care of it. But he didn't just fix her. You see, Jesus makes you whole again. He made her whole. He didn't patch her up. He made her whole instantaneously. She had faith. Faith is conviction. Faith is confidence. Faith is belief. It's acceptance. It's hope. It's loyalty. She had faith. She believed. She accepted that Jesus would heal her. She had confidence that he would heal her. She had hope. After 12 years of bleeding, she still had hope that Jesus would heal her. She said, finally, my answer has come. She had conviction. There was unshakable faith in her. Nothing could change her mind. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. She had not seen her healing, but she believed. She had not seen her healing, but she hoped. She had not seen her healing, but she accepted. She had not seen her healing, but she had confidence. The conviction of things not seen. She had unshakable belief in something without need for proof or evidence. That's what conviction means. Conviction is unshakable belief in something without need for proof or evidence of evidence. Conviction means assurance, assuredness, certainty, confidence, doubtlessness, certitude. She, she was assured in her spirit that Jesus would heal her. Even if she could not get in front of him, if she could just touch the edge of his cloak, if she could just touch the edge of his garment, the hem of his garment. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, the second part of that scripture says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This goes for all of us. Those of you who are coming to Jesus Christ newly, those of you who will give your life to Jesus Christ today to heal you, and those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ but there's so many things around us that are shaking our faith in him. Isaiah chapter, chapter 7 verse 9, the second part says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That's the New International Version. The Message Version says, If you do not stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. If you don't stand in faith, you have nothing to stand on. And then when you don't have anything to stand on, what happens to you? The bottom comes off. The bottom falls off. What do you have left? What do you hang on to? What do you hold on to? What are you going to do? Go back to the dead ends? Look for more dead ends? Hold on to your faith. Believe and touch the cloak, the edge of his cloak. Touch the hem of his garment. Take the risk. Drop the dead ends. Put them away. Put them aside. You know for a fact that they're not helping you. You know it. Don't keep spinning. Don't keep going back to the same thing. Don't go back to your vomit. Don't go back to things that will not work for you. And somehow think that one day they'll work. You already know they won't. In Isaiah chapter 8, 
verse 19 to 22, if I can just find it. It says, the New International Version says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? So in other words, when someone tells you, go and see a, a fortune teller, go and see mediums, go and see spiritists, try this, try that, and they counsel you wrongly, the scripture is asking, should we not be turning to God? Should you not be turning to God? Should, you not be, should we not be turning to God? Should we not be turning to the Holy Spirit? Should we not be turning to Jesus? Why are we going to all these other places and other things and other people? These dead ends. It continues to say, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, that is according to the word of God, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. So these people who are seeking these dead ends, what happens to them? They become unsatisfied, insatiable, angry, enraged, and they cuss any and everything. They hurt themselves and hurt people. They cuss their leaders. They cuss God. They look at the earth and all they see, all they look, see around them is darkness and fearful gloom. They refuse to turn to the one answer. It says, will you not consult your God? Why not consult your creator? Why not go to God who made you? In the first place. But some don't even want to believe in him or in his existence. Let me read the message version to you. This is still Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 to 22. It says in the message Bible, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualists, why not tap into the spiritual world? Get in touch with the dead. That's what they'll say to you. Get in touch with the dead things. Get in touch with the things that don't work. Or in fact, practice necromancy, which is the worship of the dead and, and seeking the dead people for answers. Go to fortune tellers. Go to these limited things. These things that will lead you to a dead end. That's what they'll tell you. Go to this doctor. Go to the scientist. Now, I'm not bashing science. I'm not bashing doctors. Please, let's not mistaken that. make a mistake of that. But what I'm saying is they're still limited. They're not as powerful as God. Everything we know now, everything science has discovered, everything people are finding out, who gave them the intelligence, who gave them the wisdom, who gave them the grace and the strength to do the research. Okay, that's a whole other conversation. That's, we'll save that for another time. Let me stay focused on dropping the dead ends and taking the risk of faith. It goes on to say, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 to 22. 
It says, tell them, no, we are going to study the scriptures. When they come to you with all these suggestions that they have, and many will come with all kinds of suggestions, tell them, say no. We are going to study the scriptures. We're going back to the God who made us. We're going back to Jesus who died for us. We are going back to Jesus who rose from the grave for us. We are going to the Holy Spirit who, who, who instructs us, who guides us, who teaches us, who shows us the way of God, who opens our eyes so that in seeing we will see, who opens up our ears so that in hearing we will hear who tells us the truth because he is the spirit of truth. He will not lead us to a dead end. That's who we're going to. That's how you respond to them. Okay? It says people who try the other way or the other ways get nowhere, a dead end, frustrated and famished. They try one thing after another. Listen to that. They're frustrated and they become famished. And they try one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. This woman who, was, who had bled for 12 years tried one doctor after another. Thank God she had the wisdom to turn to Jesus. She pressed in, didn't care what anyone had to say or do. She pressed in and touched him. She touched the edge of his cloak. She touched the hem of his garment. Today, who will you touch? What will you touch? Whose cloak, whose garment will you touch? Who will you turn to? It says here, frustrated and famished, they tried one thing after another. When nothing works out, they get angry, cursing first this God and then that one, looking this way and that, up and down and sideways and seeing nothing. No matter who or what they turned to, they saw nothing. All they saw was distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they got thrust into utter darkness. And it continues to say, a blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. A blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. Let's turn to God. Let's turn to Jesus. Let's turn to the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. God has a time for the beautiful things, the things he has purposed for your life to blossom, to come to fruition, to come to pass. Hold on to him. Go to him. I know sometimes waiting for God is hard. I know this. I know waiting for him is difficult. And you know, sometimes in my case, I say to God, but God, when? And I go, but God, isn't this enough now? Isn't this pain enough? This is torture. I can't take any more. But he says to me, peace, be still. He says to me, I'm fighting the battle for you. He says to me, let me do it. Because when God does it, he does it well. He does it properly. In our limited humanity, we do things that we think they're the right way. We think it's okay. But then we realize, oh my God, if only I had done it differently. If only I had waited for God. 
So he has made everything beautiful in its time. We're still reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has also set eternity in the heart, in the human heart. In other words, the things that are eternal, the treasures that are eternal, the things that nothing else can fulfill but God and His eternity, the things that only eternal things, spiritual things, things of God and by God and through God can fulfill. It's in our human heart. It says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's put eternity, that which cannot be understood with the ordinary mind, with the ordinary eye, in our hearts. Our human hearts carry eternity. That's why you realize that no matter how much money you have, no matter how much sex you have, no matter how much booze you drink, no matter how much your addiction, no matter how many women you have, how many men, no matter how many houses, how many cars, how many diamonds, how much gold, how much money, it doesn't matter. There's a sense of emptiness. There's a sense of emptiness and you can dress it up with makeup, you can dress it up with suits and dresses and nice skirts and everything else, but, and nobody else might see it, but you know it's there. There's an emptiness. Why? Because that eternity in you lies the purpose of God, lies the agenda of God, lies the will of God for your life. And so if you, if you yield to Jesus and you begin to fulfill that purpose, that agenda, that blueprint of God, you begin to feel fulfilled, and the emptiness feels less. It doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. There will be challenges. This woman had to go through the crowd, the crowd that was crushing Jesus. She pressed in. So the question is, will you press in? Will you, take, will you have faith enough and take the risk and press in? Will you have that unshakable belief in something without need for proof or evidence Will you have the conviction, the faith, the confidence, the belief, the acceptance, the hope that you can conquer this thing that has forced you to undergo so much pain, so much tragedy, so much agony? This thing that has controlled you, will you have faith and will you take the risk? Will you take the risk and touch the cloak, the edge of Jesus' cloak, the hem of his garment, and be made whole again? Take the risk. Drop the dead ends. Stop looking this way and that. Stop going up and down and sideways and then ending up seeing nothing. All you end up seeing is a blank wall, an empty hole, and end up in more darkness. It's enough. You're too precious. You're too wonderful. You're too marvelous. You're too valuable. I pray that God, through this message, will touch you, touch your heart, touch the eternity in your heart, and open your eyes and open your ears so that you see how real he is. And that he will make you whole. He will not patch you up. You take the risk and you have faith. And you reach out to him. He will not patch you up. He will make you whole again. Complete. 
complete. And that's what he wants to do. That's why Jesus died. That's why he rose again, to make us complete, connected to him, connected with eternity. And so he deliberately put eternity in our hearts so that we know our way back home. Because that eternity in our hearts, we don't know the end from the beginning, but we know it leads us back to him. It brings us down on our knees and we say, God. So today, as you listen to this message, cry out to him. Yield to him. Let him heal you. Let him make you whole again. In the mighty name of Jesus, may the spirit of God touch you and minister to you. May the Spirit of God make you whole again. Open your eyes, open your ears. May you turn to God. May you fulfill the eternity in your human heart. God bless you. God keep you. You can write to activategodspurpose at gmail.com. You can visit www.activategodspurpose.com Feel free to reach out. ActivateGodsPurpose at gmail.com www.activategodsPurpose.com God bless you. God bless you. God keep you. May you not end up with dead ends. May you walk in the truth, the way, the life that is Jesus Christ. May you be led by God's Holy Spirit. May God himself take your hand and walk with you and make you whole again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. God keep you. God bless you. God bless you. Until next time.